In this latest series of podcasts for C-Centric, Chief Executive Wayne Bruce talks to healthcare executives and senior management about the key issues and career paths in the healthcare sector today. In this first interview, CEO Wayne Bruce talks to Dr Deborah Graves, the Chief Executive Officer for the Royal College of Pathologists of Australasia. Deborah, I appreciate your time this morning. Pleasure. Um, could you, we start off by uh, perhaps asking you about your career and the, the path you've taken to get to your current position? Certainly. Look, I did medicine uh, many years ago now and um, really had no intention of going into health administration but uh, uh, tried general practice for a short period of time and knew that wasn't for me and was going to train as a physician but was given an opportunity at Greenstopes Hospital to go into medical management. Uh, my boss there was a medical administrator and um, I tried it for three months and loved it and loved the system side of things I think of fixing problems where you'd actually notice issues for patients in the past. And that started my road. I um, joined up with the College of Medical Administrators and, and um, undertook a master's degree in my fellowship um, and spent quite a bit of time at Greenstone as the quality manager there at that time, um, looking after the whole hospital quality assurance program, which was great. It was new at that time quality and um, it was a very exciting time. I then moved to Melbourne where, when I met my husband and um, I became the deputy medical director, then medical director and then ultimately the CEO of Western Hospital, which was a teaching hus- uh, hospital in the western suburbs of Melbourne. And that was a fantastic opportunity as well. It was an exciting time. Um, we, we had a, the Kennet government had just come in and there was new um, DRG funding for, for hospitals and that was very, very exciting. I then spent a short um, time at the Royal Melbourne in the um, uh, sort of offices of the actual uh, network and did strategic planning at that stage and then moved to Sydney as the medical director for MBF Private Hospitals Division. And they had, had about 12 hospitals around Australia, which was, it was a, a, another change moving into the private sector and um, was very rewarding. Mm. And then finally I um, joined the college about 10 years ago now and, um, and have been here at the College of Pathologists as a CEO, it was the inaugural CEO and um, it's a very exciting and fascinating job. Oh, very good. And where do you see the pathology or the diagnostics industry heading over the next sort of five years or more? Well, I think we're at a, a big turning point in pathology at the moment. The genetics revolution that's been occurring in the genomics are absolutely amazing. And um, I think pathology is at the forefront of actually leading those changes. It's the, it's the pathologists that are going to be involved in doing the molecular testing. And um, personalised medicine is, is coming as a consequence so that you'll have the individual patient getting a much more individual diagnosis. And high quality genetic testing is going to be a call to that. Um, so that to us is one of our, our, our key issues where we're heading. Um, we are, have got a workforce crisis in pathology which is a major challenge and uh, we always are cognizant that we have to match our resources with, with um, what, what's happening from a genetic side of things. We've had some success um, with recruiting uh, new training positions in pathology um, but we've still got some concerns that we haven't got enough yet. Um, but it's not just the pathologists, it's the scientists as well and there's a very big problem with the shortage of scientists for laboratories also. So we're working closely with government to try and actually address those issues. The other issue I think facing pathology is that a lot of people don't understand that pathology is very hands-on and there's a lot of people involved in it. Um, there's a perception that because of all the automation that's happened that, that really and truly you just pop a specimen in a machine and it pops out the other end and you don't need interpretation, you don't need liaison with clinicians. And that's one of the big challenges that the college is taking up this year. It's actually to try and educate governments, um, other colleagues in the medical profession and, and the general public that, that there is a lot to pathology and it's not just that little black box machine. You've got mm. to have pathologists there to actually interpret. So they're our big picture issues, I mm. suppose, for the next five years. Mm. That's interesting. And um, you've worked across healthcare in, in a number of different sectors, public hospitals, as you said, private hospitals, 
medical college and so on. What are the parallels and, and the differences you see between those different sectors? I think the parallels are, I mean, it's all about people management and, 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 and working with people to actually achieve an outcome. And to me, healthcare is about the patient to make sure that the people actually get the appropriate treatment and, and it's done at the highest quality in an appropriate resourcing sort of environment. So that people management and actually getting that to work goes across all areas. Um, resource shortages go across all areas as well. So, I mean, they're, they're, that's the similarities in relation to it. Um, I suppose in relation to the differences, um, it's probably um, emphases in relation to different issues. Uh, the public sector, your, your customers probably tend to be um, the patients directly and, and government uh, to a larger extent and to a lesser extent the actual doctors working in the organisation. Whereas in the private sector, the doctors actually working in the private hospitals are the key customers and, um, and then the patients obviously are, are very important as well. Um, but, and your financing is not as important from that sort of side of things. In a place like the college that I'm here now, um, our fellows and trainees are our primary customer um, and it's a service-driven organisation in relation to that and it's probably even more focused from that sort of side of things because it's their college and it's their business. So, um, so, so that's the variation. And the other side of things I think is the flexibility of how you can actually do business. Um, I, I think I find it very rewarding in, in an environment like the college that you can actually make decisions fairly quickly. Uh, you do have to go through committee structures. but the actual changes and the implementation of things can be achieved and it's exciting as a consequence. You can actually see a change within a short period of time. Um, in government organisations, in public hospitals, that can happen, and, um, but it, it sometimes actually is slowed down by government policies and, and, and bureaucracy. Um, I suppose my time in Victoria, it was, it was a great time because we could do some flexible stuff like introducing flexible bed management practices and as a consequence not cancelling elective surgery for two years and things like that. That was exciting. But that was probably um, an extraordinary time, I think, in, in government. So um, those, those variations, flexibility and customers, I think, are probably the two areas of, of variation. Mm -hmm. And, and did you, do you think you learnt anything in particular from the different sectors? I think um, the main thing is actually to always apply yourself and to think about what you're trying to do. And I think um, you have to uh, put the context of where you are and what you're trying to achieve um, and then actually adapt your management style because um, a certain management style in the private sector may not be appropriate in the public sector um, and, and vice versa, but likewise in the college here. Um, because here at the college, it's the fellows' organisation um, and, and as a consequence, the CEO works with fellows, you don't direct, and that's a very different sort of environment, that's mm. for sure. Mm. Um, in, a, in a general sense, Deborah, what competencies do you think that uh, today's senior executive needs in healthcare to be successful? I think you need to have some good leadership skills um, because I think it's a, it's a complex environment and you need to actually harness other people to work with you because you can't do it alone. And if you don't have those skills, um, you'll be working in isolation and probably you know, sort of working very hard and not achieving a lot. Um, you need very good people skills in relation to actually engaging with people, talking with people, communicating with people, and that's at all levels. I think you know, dealing with government, dealing with health ministers, uh, down to you know, dealing with your receptionists um, and, and staff. That's very important to be able to communicate at all levels and actually get people on. Financial management skills are obviously critical these days. I mean, um, if you're actually going to do a, a, have a successful um, organisation in health, regardless of where it's public, private, college environment, you've got to keep an eye on the bottom line, otherwise it just doesn't work. And um, I think problem-solving skills as well in relation to being able to um, 
analyse things appropriately, take on board what's going on and work out a solution so that you can actually get an outcome. Um, otherwise, things just will never change. Mm. And you're turning um, to pathologists specifically, um, what does the college regard as the key competencies that pathologists need? And I'd like to ask you that question in terms of their medical competence, but also non-medical aspects. Yeah. Look, I think probably the most important thing from a medical side of things is having a very inquiring scientific mind. Pathology is very scientific. It's much more analytical and much more focused in relation to the science than some of the other medical specialties. And as a consequence, you know, you do need to have a good basic understanding of science and, 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 and anatomy, physiology, those sorts of things is a critical issue. Um, but likewise, I mean, there's often a, a, a perception in the, in the non-medical areas that pathologists, because they are pathologists, they don't need to know how to communicate. And that's something that is absolutely incorrect. Pathologists really do need, out, need to know how to communicate. They're more the doctor's doctor than, than integrating with patients. Uh, but some of our pathologists do actually, they, they actually have clinical practice loads as well and do have patients also. So it's a, it's a critical issue that we think that they need to adapt and, and, and make sure they have those skills um, to actually work in pathology. The other thing is actually attention to detail. Because of the nature of the work and the critical nature that you know, if you're having a diagnosis of cancer made on the biopsy that's under the microscope, which is you know, what, that's how they're done. It's not the surgeon that does the actual diagnosis, it's the, it's the pathologist. Attention to detail and knowing where things could go wrong is critical. And um, that's where, by, by nature, a lot of our pathologists are really very, very good with attention to detail. So that'd be the three sorts of things that mm. I think that would be the critical elements for mm. a pathologist. And, and you mentioned the, the workforce issue before um, in terms of pathologists and scientists. What, what do you think is driving that shortage and what are the sort of measures that the college government per se you know, might be taking to try and improve that? Yeah. From a pathologist's point of view, it was, it's purely been an issue of training places. Um, over about 10 or 14 years ago, there were about 100 training positions cut out of the system in Australia. Um, and um, this is a, a problem not just in Australia, it's happened internationally. And it was a perception by people that because automation was coming in, that you would need less people in the area. And with things like genetics and, and, and personalised medicine, just the contrary has actually happened, that you still need a lot of people involved. And as a consequence, you know, we've been consistently about 100 people down in pathology um, on our numbers. There's only about 1,200 pathologists in Australia, which is not huge. Um, but consistently, we've actually had that backlog of, of vacancies that you know, it's just flowing through from that sort of side of things. So we've still had plenty of doctors wanting to do pathology. Um, we've had laboratories ready and willing to train it. Um, it was purely getting the training places. But um, we've had some success over the last five years. We've probably got about an extra 130, 140 training positions, which is great. Um, the Australian Medical Workforce Advisory Committee recommended we needed about 500 to plug the gap. So we're short of that, but still we have made inroads. And that's been supported um, very, very heavily by the Commonwealth Government. Um, about five years ago, um, they initially started funding positions in the private sector, and that's continued and grown. And some of the states have actually been very, very supportive of actually, Queensland in particular and Western Australia have actually really worked very hard. Victoria's now come on a lot more in relation to that and have provided funding training positions for them. Um, so that is helping. Um, we always do have a bit of a concern with the number of medical students coming through these days that don't get exposed to pathology. Um, a lot of pathology was taken out of medical schools from a, a, a teaching point of view to the same level as when I did medicine, for example. 
um, that, they, that the students weren't going to be getting exposed to pathology and we were concerned that that may have an effect of attracting people in. But we haven't seen that yet, which is good. Um, but we certainly work very hard to actually raise the profile of pathology amongst medical students to counterbalance that sort of thing. So, scientists um, have, we don't look after scientists at the moment for the college point of view, but we're, we're starting to work very closely with some scientific organisations. They haven't had a, a national workforce review. We don't even know how many scientists there are in Australia at the moment. And that's the problem, there hasn't been that coordination. There's no training positions for them per se. Um, there's been issues of retention as well, um, and issues of sometimes attracting people into the area. But we're just doing a big study with the Commonwealth Department of Health now, looking at a workforce review in relation to auditing the scientists and pathologists, and also looking at some career structures for scientists as well. So um, they're the sorts of things that are going to be critical. Mm. And if you were mentoring an aspiring healthcare manager, what would be your advice to them? Well, I think it's a wonderful career. It's a very rewarding career to be in. Um, I think the, they need to actually take life very seriously from the point of view of what they can do and what they can achieve. I think they need to be tenacious and, and, and don't resolve from the difficult decisions because there always are difficult decisions in healthcare. Uh, they need to get a good grounding in, in, in management practices, law, finance, economics, those sorts of things, um, and epidemiology. Um, they need to get some good practical experience and being mentored is, is a good way of doing it. Um, and, and I think probably just to keep working and, and always keep in mind that you're there, particularly if you're a medical um, person in healthcare, that you're there for the patient. And that is the critical issue, that, that, that you know, you're there to make sure that patients actually get the best possible care and, and the system works as well as possible. So I'd, 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 let, I'd recommend a medical administration career to anybody. I think Excellent. Great. That, that sounds like a very good note to uh, close on and appreciate your time today. Pleasure. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you.